Good morning, and welcome to Love, Joy, and Languages, a podcast about loving languages and finding joy in learning them. I am Heidi, the creator and host of this show. Like you all, I'm a language learner, language lover, and someone who wants to share the ins and outs of my little world of languages. As you can see by the title of this episode, today I want to talk about how language learning is actually making me a better parent. But two things here. First, if you aren't a parent, I recommend sticking around because I think the points I want to make today really indicate how the nuances of learning a language have the potential to influence how we show up in our relationships. It just so happens that parenting is one of my biggest challenges and most important relationship. So it's where I see the strongest connection here. And second, for the parents or future parents listening in, this episode isn't about multilingual parenting. I'm not giving tips or advice on how to bring languages into your home, although I will put other podcasts and resources for this in the show notes, so if that's what brings you here today, I won't leave you hanging. But again, I encourage you to stick around anyway, because there's a lot of food for thought here, and I believe that every area of growth in our lives is a foundation for growth in other areas. So there's a distinct correlation for me between my personal growth as a language learner and how I show up for my kids and how I think of myself and believe in myself as a parent. And despite being a parent for quite a bit longer than I've been a language learner, language learning has actually given me many tools and forced upon me a shift of mindset that I've been able to apply to my parenting life in an incredibly valuable way. So here we go. One thing that language learning has done to make me a better parent is that it's taught me and is teaching me to respond instead of react. I'm sure many of you can relate to this, that no matter how much reading or planning you do, as a parent, you feel like you're always in reaction mode or never really knowing what you're doing, never ready for the next developmental phase that seems to come out of nowhere, often just trying to survive until bedtime and really making things up as you go. I call it the parenting by the seat of my pants strategy, always reacting, never really able to get in front of things and hold off meltdowns preference changes, or attitudes before they happen. Something I've struggled with as a parent is reacting to my kids, like full stop, in everything. If my son is having a meltdown over losing a game against his sister, if my daughter is mad that I won't let her watch more TV, or even if one of them does homework alone and all of a sudden no longer needs my help, you name it, my natural reaction is never the best, most supportive one. I've done all the yelling and timeouts and holding back words but making faces that convey all my emotions and basically all the strategies my parents used on me that, as a strong-willed kid, didn't work. And for years, I have wallowed in the guilt of not being patient, of not taking a breath before speaking, and feeling like I let too much time go by before having any idea how to handle a situation. But by then, it's too late. The damage is done. I know that reacting in a big, frustrated, totally chaotic way doesn't work, but it's also all I really know. Then in comes language learning. As I've talked about several times in earlier seasons, when I started learning Italian, I was really learning by the seat of my pants. I had no idea what I was doing, like in parenting, and I was reacting to everything. I reacted to all the apps and programs trying to sell me something, becoming overwhelmed with the feeling that I needed to do it all and also was never doing enough. I reacted to every recommendation of learning methodology, 
by trying all of them, going all in and believing each time that this was going to be the key to fluency, then discovering that many methods just weren't for me, but forcing myself to keep going anyway because someone else had said it would work, so I just needed to try harder. I reacted to mistakes and not understanding conversations by beating myself up and believing that I was never going to learn the language, that something was wrong with me. I reacted to reading and listening exercises by writing down every single word I didn't know or thing I didn't understand. I obsessed over trying to learn or memorize them all and became quickly overwhelmed, burned out, and very negative. But as longtime listeners of the show know, I slowly started to shift how I approached language learning because reacting to everything without purpose wasn't sustainable and it didn't help me forge a positive relationship with my languages. And I feel this in my parenting. Reacting to everything without purpose isn't sustainable and it doesn't help me forge a positive relationship with my children. So when it came to language learning, I had to slow down my mental pace Stop getting distracted by new tools and learning methods and learn how to respond to the process and the advice and methods and mistakes instead of reacting to them. Making this mental shift has been a journey for me for sure. It doesn't happen overnight. But in order to get out of reaction mode, I had to dig deep to understand why I was reacting. I swear no problem is ever really surface level in my life. Everything is tied to something much deeper. I don't even know which reaction I tried addressing first, but I do remember a specific time when I searched online to see if there's a connection between procrastination and perfectionism. I knew I was a perfectionist, but I didn't know all the ways this was affecting my language learning. And I also knew that procrastinating and avoiding were the most obvious roadblocks to learning Italian, because you can't really learn if you're not doing the learning, right? So that one was crystal clear. And I was actually surprised to find a ton of information linking procrastination and avoidance to perfectionism. Putting off language learning, choosing to do anything other than study, even at the same time that I desperately wanted to learn the language and enjoyed it, this was a reaction to the negative thoughts and feelings I had when I made mistakes. I was avoiding digging into the resources I had because the act of slowly learning a language and making tons of mistakes along the way felt like failure because it wasn't fast and easy. It felt like a big old billboard telling me that I'm not smart, I'm not hardworking enough, I'm not capable of learning a language, I'm not good enough, I'm not the kind of person who succeeds. Procrastination was my reaction to those negative thoughts and feelings that were deeply ingrained in me thanks to my perfectionist personality. And that's just one example of digging deep into my language learning reactions, but there are so many. I hoard resources, sign up for more programs than I can ever actually complete, and use everything in a prescribed way from beginning to end as a reaction to my fear of missing out because missing out on the perfect method or missing some key grammar point or important word meant to me I was failing. I wasn't doing it right. I minimize my actual accomplishments and hard work as a reaction to never feeling good enough, knowing there's always a higher level to reach, things I missed, mistakes I made, and others who are doing it better. Minimizing my successes is a reaction to not feeling good enough which is deeply rooted in perfectionism for me. So recognizing all the ways in which I react to language learning and asking myself why I do that, 
why am I really reacting? What thoughts or feelings am I trying to avoid by this reaction? And then honestly addressing those things, getting to the heart of the problem with counseling in my case, has helped me to stop reacting so much and start responding. So you can imagine how doing this inner work set a great example for parenting. Instead of wallowing in the guilt and shame over my reactions and feelings like I'm just a crappy parent, I started asking myself why I react the way I do. And it ain't pretty. Admitting to myself that I yell because I never internalized conflict resolution skills. I get angry at my kids when they don't listen because their behavior is a mirror to my parenting. Admitting that I'm the problem is so difficult. Kids can be a constant reminder of all the ways we've failed. And then sometimes I react to my kids simply because they're an extension of me. It's not easy to see your child doing something that you also do or also did that you didn't like about yourself. Like both of my kids shove their school papers down into their backpacks. And sometimes I don't find things I need to sign until days after they're due. It's not really a big deal, but it's something that eats at me because I did it as a kid. And somewhere along the way, I started feeling like this behavior was a sign of my own failure, something that caused me to disappoint my teachers, proof that I wasn't as good as someone else. I react negatively to my kids being disorganized, not by helping them gain those skills, but instead by feeling frustrated, nagging, and, if I'm being perfectly honest, saying things that would make them feel those negative feelings I once did. I could obviously go on and on, but this is the sort of thing that I've been able to start recognizing and facing now that I know I'm capable of responding instead of reacting. Language learning was literally the thing that taught me to acknowledge my reactions, dig into why I react the way I do, work on that thing, and start responding instead, which paved the foundation for me being able to do the same in my parenting life. So what does responding look like? In both parenting and language learning, for me, responding looks like a pause and an acknowledgement of the deeper feelings. I feel vulnerable because I just made a silly beginner's mistake in Italian. I feel like I'm missing out because that person over there is learning German faster than me using a different method. I don't feel like reading this Italian book that I've been enjoying because I won't know every word, and today I'm fragile. Not knowing a word will feel bigger than it did last week. So just acknowledging my desire to beat myself up, buy another resource, or avoid something I actually enjoy allows me to respond instead. I respond by taking note of the mistake I made and practicing the correction until it feels good. I respond by doubling down on what I'm doing in German because it really is working for me. I respond by unsubscribing to email lists that are selling something I know I don't need, leaving the bookstore without buying another grammar book, and exiting out of the website or social media app where I find myself thinking, that program is on sale and this person says it works, so I should get it too, even though I don't need it and probably wouldn't have time to use it. I respond by respecting my fragility and picking up the book when I'm in a better headspace. In parenting, it's exactly the same. Acknowledging that I want to yell, I want to tell my kids that they have to do things my way because I know best, because I once made all the mistakes, or acknowledging that I'm not addressing an issue they have because ignoring it feels easier in the moment. 
Acknowledging these things allows me to pause, ask myself what I'm really reacting to, which is usually leftover childhood trauma, limiting beliefs, or just admission of my own failures, and respond instead. I respond by taking some deep breaths or leaving the room to gather my thoughts before speaking. I respond by letting them make mistakes so that they actually learn from them and become critical thinkers instead of simply doers. I respond by reading and researching everything I can about each new phase or new issue that arises and learn what I can do to help and support them, creating a response that isn't difficult and that works within the structure of our household. Mindfully responding to situations, feelings, and vulnerabilities instead of reacting instinctively is one huge way that language learning is helping me become a better parent. Consequently, once I started practicing responding, I started learning how to be flexible in my language learning journey, which has definitely spilled over into my parenting. I mentioned earlier that one symptom of perfectionism that has shown up in my language learning is working resources prescriptively from beginning to end, skipping nothing. And I've mentioned this many times in other episodes, but this rigid way of using resources made for a very restricted and generally unenjoyable language life where the resources controlled what and how I learned instead of me having power over my journey. At the heart of this are two things. One, being afraid of missing something along the way, and two, underlying expectations of what language learning should look like. And dang it, I found myself being this way in parenting too. From the beginning, parenting by the seat of my pants meant taking in all the advice and trying to do it all for fear of missing something and messing up my child. Before a child is even born, we're bombarded with advice on what to eat and not eat, how to rest, what to do in each trimester, natural birth versus C-section, being induced versus not being induced, labor with or without epidural, at-home birth versus hospital birth, followed by breastfeeding versus formula versus a mixture, to work outside the home or to stay at home, co-sleeping or sleep training, cloth diapers versus disposable, store-bought food versus homemade, to give dairy or not to give dairy. And that's all before a child is even one year old. And it never stops. Each new phase and each new age brings more and more advice that's dripping with expectation and judgment. So what did I do? I created a very rigid plan of parenting based on what I thought should be done according to other people. In languages, for the longest time, if something wasn't working for me, I pushed on with it anyway because I thought I was the problem. It's not the resource or the method, it's me. So I need to ignore my intuition, desires, and learning preferences because the resource isn't the issue. I am. And if I did give it up, like I talked about in episode 41 this season, then I was full of guilt and shame, feeling like a failure. In parenting, for the longest time, if something wasn't working for me, I pushed on with it anyway because I thought I was the problem. So I ignored my intuition, desires, preferences, and sanity because the method wasn't the issue, I was. And if I did give up, even when something clearly wasn't working, then I was full of guilt and shame, feeling like a failure. Language learning was the foundation of flexibility for me. Believing that there is no single right way to learn or practice. Believing that what someone else swears by won't be good for me. 
was the foundation of me trusting my gut, trusting my instinct, and seeking out methods and resources that are for me. Instead of trying to change myself to fit a language learning method, I learned how to trust myself to know what's best, stop charging forward on the wrong path, and be flexible enough to change things up with confidence. Similarly, my language learning has to be flexible in order to accommodate the different stages of my personal growth. Am I living in the country or not? Am I at a season where I have more time for conversation lessons or not? Are my kids on a regular school schedule or a holiday break? Do I scramble for five minutes of free time a day? What is the best way for me to fill those five minutes? Working a language app or sitting in silence? This sort of flexibility can completely change how we view our language journeys, progress in our languages, and do our best to create a seamless transition of language engagement throughout the various phases of our lives. And it was literally this realization in my languages that helped me be more flexible in my parenting. Instead of trying to change myself or my kids and our dynamics to fit a particular parenting method or some expectation of what I thought raising children should be, I learned how to trust myself and my instinct to know what's best and stop charging forward, but rather change tactics with confidence. I know yelling at my kids isn't working. It never really has, but I did it anyway. Flexibility has given me a way to stop and switch gears, sometimes in the middle of yelling. I don't have to keep yelling just because I started yelling. My daughter reminds me often of one time when I was yelling at her for who knows what, and in the middle of it, I had this moment of clarity and realized that yelling simply wasn't doing anything but causing harm. So as I was yelling, I changed tactics and yelled, I don't even know why I'm yelling right now. At that moment, her worried face turned to a smile and we both started laughing. We never have to continue making mistakes just because we started or are in the middle of a mistake. If a language method or tool isn't working, we aren't obligated to finish it. If a parenting tactic isn't working, we aren't obligated to continue using it. Flexibility gives us the freedom to do something else mid-yell. Similar to flexibility, language learning is making me a better parent by showing me the value in using the appropriate tools at the appropriate levels of our journeys. Something I was not prepared for in parenting is how quickly old methods stop working when our children reach a new phase in life. And they don't just start maturing or behaving differently at a single point in time. Instead, it happens more fluidly over time without any sort of definitive moment of change. But all of a sudden, you realize that timeouts have no longer been effective. Your kids aren't interested in singing the clean up, pick up, put away song from Daniel Tiger, or the idea of school is no longer fun and exciting like it was in anticipation of that first day. As our kids grow and mature, our methods of reaching, teaching, and listening to them have to grow and mature as well. And get this, what methods work for one kid are almost guaranteed not to work for another. Does this sound familiar? As my Italian went from beginner levels to intermediate levels, which is not at a definitive moment, vocab lists and flashcards just didn't work anymore. General grammar books weren't as effective, but books that focus on specific grammar skills were and my reading and listening comprehension improved, so I outgrew the beginner-level books and Italian teaching podcasts and started finding content for native speakers more accessible and useful. And get this, the methods that really work for me in Italian don't work for me in German. New language, new methods. 
It took me years to realize that there are so many language learning methods out there. And for the longest time, I thought they all worked for all people and all languages at all levels. But I learned through experience that we have to mature our methods as our languages mature, and we have to explore new methods for new languages. I'll take a quick moment here to plug Chris Broholm's New Year New Language Summit that's happening online the 10th through the 14th of January 2024, which I'll link in the show notes, because this year will be the third year for this summit, and the focus has progressed from discussions for beginner methods in the first year, intermediate learning methods in the second year, and this year will be focused on advanced language learning methods. It's a fun and honestly brilliant event that really highlights this fact that we need to adapt our methods as we progress in our languages. The thing here is that in parenting, I found it too easy to stick with old methods long after they've lost their effectiveness. I get into a groove with something that works for my oldest child. It's working. Communication between us is good. I go through a frustrated period where everything is getting out of whack, we're butting heads, and then she says or does something that causes me to stop and realize that I'm treating her like a kid younger than she is. I haven't been adapting my methods of reaching and teaching along with her growth of listening and understanding. And being very conscious of this idea that we need to reevaluate and change methods according to growth really started with languages for me. It's obviously something I knew because I wasn't still parenting my 10-year-old the way I did when she was two, but it wasn't something I did intentionally. Adjusting how I communicate and work with my kids, what I expect of their behavior, and so on, happened more as a reaction to their growth, like I mentioned before. But that meant that I often kept using the same tactics long after they were effective, because they used to work. And again, training myself to trust my instinct is a huge factor here. In language learning, when a resource gets boring or the return on investment slows down, I no longer immediately think that I'm the problem and I must be doing something wrong. And if I double down and work the resource harder, then I'll gain momentum again. No, more often than not, if I take a step back and analyze what the resource offers and by which method, I can see that I've outgrown it. And that's way more exciting than sticking with beginner level tools as an intermediate learner. And this mental agility finally started showing up in my parenting too. When timeouts or whatever were no longer effective, instead of doubling down and getting stricter or sterner, I'm able to interrupt my thought process and analyze the age and maturity appropriateness of the methods I'm using and start seeking out new ways to reach and teach my kids that they'll respond to in their new stages of life. Now, let's talk about mistakes. We know as language learners that mistakes suck. They're hard to deal with. They can crush our egos, confidence, and motivation. But we also know that mistakes are inevitable and that they are opportunities to learn and grow. Mistakes make us better at our languages. You all know my story of perfectionism and how I have a history of really beating myself up over my mistakes, letting those mistakes define me and allowing them to confirm to myself the limiting core belief I have that I'm not the kind of person who can learn a language. So it's not surprising at all that when I make a mistake in parenting, I have a history of beating myself up, letting the guilt overwhelm me, letting those mistakes define me as a parent and allowing them to confirm my limiting core belief that I'm not a good parent and I'm ruining my children. But in my experience, it's easier and perhaps faster to see growth from my mistakes in my languages than it is as a parent. 
So again, language learning has really helped expose me to accepting and learning from my mistakes, which paved the way for me to accept and learn from parenting mistakes. Once I started working on my inner perfectionist, really digging into how she shows up in my language life, healing the wounds of my life that led to perfectionism, and trying out various strategies for managing the symptoms of perfectionism in my language learning, one of the most obvious testaments of my growth was in how I felt about mistakes. I eventually noticed that most of the time, my mistakes no longer felt like attacks on my soul. The physical manifestations of anxiety and anger I felt when I made a mistake no longer existed. There was almost never an overwhelming desire to be given a chance to correct my mistakes. When I started healing my inner perfectionist wounds, I found mistakes bearable. That was just the foundation I needed to start changing my neural pathways away from the soul-crushing belief that mistakes are failure and start truly believing that mistakes don't define me, that they aren't the end game, that they are signs that we need to or get to change something for the better, and then start changing how I feel when I make a mistake. Language learning was the thing that got me out of the debilitating mindset that mistakes equal failure which is really amazing considering that I didn't start learning languages until I was 33 years old and I didn't start working through this shift until I was about three years into my journey. So 36 years of my life, I struggled with mistakes and how they affected me, how they crushed my confidence and belief in myself, how they validated negative beliefs I held about myself, and how I would often wallow in the guilt and regret, just wishing I could go back in time and change what I did or said to erase the mistake. And then here comes language learning to help change all of that. So after I started thinking and feeling different about my mistakes in language learning, I realized that I could start thinking and feeling different about my mistakes in parenting. I've made so many parenting mistakes, you all, but I finally come to realize that mistakes are inevitable in parenting too. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but to a perfectionist who sort of naturally lives by all or nothing thinking, it was really difficult for me to identify and believe that truth for a very long time. But once I could believe it in one area of my life, language learning, it was easier to believe it to also be true in other areas like parenting. In addition, language learning has helped me improve how I recover from parenting mistakes. You know, all of those negative feelings that rain down on us after making a mistake. A minute ago, I mentioned wallowing in guilt and regret, wishing I could go back in time and change what I did or said to erase the mistake. And this harmful after effect has been true for me in every area of my life. But language learning was the first place I really started to reel in how I recover from mistakes, minimize those negative feelings, or at least minimize the impact they have on me, and learn how to move forward in a healthier way. Again, there's a lot of self-work, realizations, and healing that went on here, so I'm glossing over the hard part of it all, the actual work, but once I was able to make mistakes in Italian, see and acknowledge them without berating myself, and then correct the mistake, make note of it for later, or just ignore it and keep moving forward, that was the point when I started thinking that I could probably do something similar in parenting. If I'm short with my daughter and see the hurt on her face, or yell at my son and realize he's almost in tears, the guilt of not being able to handle myself and regulate my own emotions has always been so strong. 
then the guilt and the shame are really big feelings that add to the already big feelings of overwhelm and stress and powerlessness that I already feel in the moment of mistake making. They leave little room for gracefully reducing the built up tension and making a 180 in the other direction, the more positive one. But it can be done at any moment, even in the middle of making the mistake. We can choose to do something different and we can choose grace and understanding instead of guilt and regret. Learning to accept my mistakes in Italian and keep moving forward stemmed from the question, what can I do? It's a question I ask myself all the time, multiple times a day, and it's really become my tether to sanity and logical processing. When I made a mistake and paused for just a moment to ask myself, what can I do? I had three choices, like I said earlier. I could correct the mistake, make note of it for later, or just ignore it and move forward. Sure, I could also choose to be mean to myself and tell myself all those negative things, but consciously asking myself what's within my power to do means throwing out the emotional responses and sticking to the logical ones. Then I started asking myself this in my parenting life. I make a mistake. Let's say I yell when yelling isn't appropriate to the situation, so like 99% of the time, but I've yelled, the damage is done, the tension and emotions are really high, what can I do? I can step away from the situation and give myself time to breathe and physically recover from the adrenaline racing through me. I can correct the mistake, apologize to my kids, let them know that I realize I made a mistake and talk about how I can make better choices in the future. I can also make note of the situation for later. When I get some quiet time the next morning, I can reflect on it, identify what triggered me, maybe why I felt triggered, and come up with a plan that can lead to a better reaction the next time. No matter what mistakes we make in any area of our lives, I would argue that how we recover from them is just as powerful as trying to prevent or minimize them in the future. Learning how to recover from mistakes in language learning, whether it be saying a wrong word or spending too many hours on a wrong resource or whatever it is, learning how to recover by asking myself, what can I do, was an invaluable step toward learning how to recover from parenting mistakes as well. I think this is a good place to start bringing this episode to a close, but first I want to make sure that I'm clear on something. I don't want to give the impression that I've got everything figured out and that I've got the answer to all the parenting woes and never yell or make mistakes or anything like that. There is no such thing as a perfect parent, and anyone who seems that way is only showing you the best snippets of their lives. And we know this to be true in language learning. It's only natural to want to exhibit the exciting and positive parts of our journeys. It's natural to want to share the things that are working for us to inspire others. That said, I still struggle. I still find myself in all or nothing thinking sometimes. I still stick to some tools or methods long after they've lost effectiveness. I still berate myself for making mistakes and I still yell at my kids and feel deep guilt afterwards. The key takeaway for me though is that those things no longer define my language life or my parenting. I'm not going for perfection. I do accept that mistakes and negative feelings are part of this journey we call life. And accepting that makes it so much easier to move forward in a healthy way. Without expecting perfection, everything is easier. And that recovery, that ability to get back up and keep going is so much more joyful and promising. 
If it isn't abundantly apparent, I love language learning. I love languages, but also the entire journey. I never expected language learning to have such a profound impact on my life, but it's really exciting for me to discover all the ways in which language learning mirrors other life journeys and how we can find ways to heal or improve one area by digging into another. Nothing in our lives exists in confinement. And if we have a ton of weak areas we want to improve, we don't have to do each one on its own. Positive changes in one area of our lives can give us a foundation for positive changes in other areas. We just have to start noticing the connections. That's where I will sign off for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Have a wonderful language learning week. And until next time, ciao.